Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altris. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Today's guest is Sarah Gay. She is the President and CEO of Hawaii Employers Council. Sarah was appointed President and CEO in June of 2022. In her role, she collaborates with HEC's Board of Governors and staff to address the ever-evolving needs of Hawaii's employers and is responsible for the organization's leadership, day-to-day operations and strategic initiatives. Sarah has more than 20 years of experience leading local organizations' initiatives related to human resources, organizational development, and workplace culture. Prior to joining HEC, she served as Vice President of Human Resources at HEMIC, HEMIC. She's a director with the Oahu Economic Development Board, Big Brothers Big Sisters Hawaii, and serves as an advisor for the Patsy T. Mink Center for Business and Leadership. She received her master's degree in organizational communication and bachelor's degree in general communication from Washington State University. Sarah, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, I have high hopes of chatting with you because you're so well learned in communication. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you became president and CEO of HEC in just in June of 2022. So you're relatively new in this position. Um, tell us a little bit about what led you to the position and what made you want to continue your communications career in this way. Sure. It's, it's really, an exciting opportunity to join Hawaii Employers Council. So I have a background in human resources and specifically organizational development. And um, when I was approached with the opportunity to join the council, um, I had to really think about it for a while. And um, it was one of those middle of the night thoughts um, about what might be possible with the organization. Hawaii Employers Council has been um, around for 80 years and we were founded to provide innovative and cost-effective HR solutions for Hawaii's employers. Um, but what really intrigues me and gets me excited is what innovative and cost-effective HR solutions means 80 years ago is different than what it means going forward. And so um, when I thought about what was possible with the council to help support Hawaii's employers with their needs moving forward, I just got really excited about the role that we could um, play impacting our economic environment and our sustainability going forward as a community. So it's been an incredible ride. It's a great group of people with a really important mission, and I'm excited about what we're going to be able to do for Hawaii employers. And, you know, it might it might not be a stretch to say that there's never been a more important time for your organization, because as we all are out in the workforce every day, we are hearing how much the workforce is changing how much COVID has affected us. I'm, I was talking to someone yesterday who said the three-year COVID effect, <laughs> right? It wasn't anything like 12 months. Do you feel that? Do you feel that your responsibility right now is is greater than ever? Because people are floundering somewhat. They're not quite sure what the next direction is. I think that's exactly right, Joe. When I think about why we were founded um, and what employee relations solutions meant in the past, it was around employment law and it was around... Um, labor relations, and those things remain very relevant and really important. Um, but there's no doubt that employers are struggling with things around employee retention, employee engagement, 
um, leadership is trying to figure out what some of those new skills are needed to kind of push organizations forward. Um, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the employee-employer contract has fundamentally shifted. What people expect out of work is different. And so how do we help employers adapt to that in ways that work for them and help them um, accomplish their goals too? So let's take that kind of in, in bite-sized chunks, right? And, and talk about, first of all, how the environment has changed. And I think the greatest change that we've seen in recent years has been work at home. Um, while that was so new, it seems strange to think of it now that Zoom meetings were really something that not most people did in 2019. Um, how has it affected it? And are people really ready to go back? I know there's a huge return to work initiative, but do people want to go back? It's a great question. And I don't think there's an easy answer for it. I think what we, what we try to advise members on is is really it starts with the work it starts with what work needs to be done where and and what how much of that work is around connection and collaboration and can be enhanced with other people um and then how much of your work really is um focused heads down independent work and so when we start from that most most of our jobs have some degree of both of those things right and so if we think about it that way then it would make sense that most of our jobs likely fit into some sort of hybrid model. And then an employer has to think about, you know, what, what is the larger impact on the culture, on the employee experience that they're trying to create? There's no doubt it's harder to create a cohesive, um, highly engaged relationship built culture when folks are remote. Doesn't mean it can't be done. I think it just takes a little more intentional strategy. Um, so I don't think it's, I don't think there's a simple answer. It's really thinking about, the organization's goals, the culture that they want to have, and the work that needs to get done. And then from there, figuring out a plan. So because there's no cookie cutter uh, answer, is it fair to say that most employers, especially the larger ones in your organization, really have to sit down and refocus, particularly on that company culture part? Because we talk to so many people on this podcast where the company culture is critical to how they do business. And as you say, that can be so drastically altered if people are not engaging and they're not in person. Do you see, um, especially the larger companies, realizing, okay, we need to look at how we do things? Absolutely. I, I think the days of kind of the independent worker whose work doesn't get enhanced through a relationship or through the ideas or innovation from their colleagues is is really behind us. Um, and so if that's true and there's there's value in a culture that values relationships, that's best done face to face. And so how how do we do that? You know, then then we get into the nuts and bolts of a hybrid model. Is it one day in the office? Is it five days in the office? And what I can say about that is we've seen some organizations in their attempt to um, empower managers, they've said, let's make that a departmental decision. And that is really challenging on our managers who are yes. already like those folks are taxed, those middle managers. Um, and so to put that on them is really, really, really difficult. And so we're hearing a lot of, you know, at the organizational level, we need to make some specific decisions and no longer put that on the shoulders of our managers. That's a lot to ask of them. Yeah, because I mean, in terms of the popularity yeah, of the manager, right. you could go from like a really high rate to low, depending that's right. on, on what people think, you know. 
Sarah, I heard a really good interview a couple of weeks ago on NPR with a, the chairman of a British company who had decided with his team to go to a four-day work week. Mm. And so his team now work Monday to Thursday. They're a service-based industry, so they have a lot of customers, a lot of people that they have to connect with. And his reporting was that not only has contentment and happiness gone up in his company, but productivity has gone up by about 40%, which is huge. Yeah. Do you see, that's not a very American model, I have to say. <laughs> Do you see any, any kind of movement forward with that? Is there any discussion yet about a shorter work week? And the reason I'm leading you to other questions here, because employees have different demands now of employers. Um, let's take that four-day week thing first. Okay. Do you ever see that happening in America? I, gosh, the naive, optimistic, pie-eyed person in me says, yes, I hope that's true. Matter of fact, I, I just was having some great conversations last night um, with someone around how, how could we do this? What's possible? What's possible around that? And there are all kinds of um, data points that indicate that does do things for people's work-life balance, that does things for people's mental health and, and for their their families and their um, their childcare. You know, there's just a there's so many issues that that can address, um, and the devil's in the details of a plan of how do you actually make something like that mm -hmm. happen. So, I'm going to optimistically say yes. I think that's possible in our future, um, and I I look forward to you know if there's folks that would like to have that conversation. I think it'd be a fun group to to get together to figure out what are the benefits there and how might we may be able to make that happen. I think it's a fascinating conversation because Agreed. it's not just looking at it from, you know, the, the truly lifestyle fun part of it as an employee. It's imagine the savings that are possible in just terms of physical space, utilities, parking. I mean, there are so many costs that run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, additional costs of having a body in your office, having your office open. Um, that I think four days a week would address in in a way that we haven't looked at before. I think that's right. I think that we we know through COVID that there were operational efficiencies that we gained through remote work, whether that's the savings in commercial real estate, whether that's um, commuting costs, whether it's environmental impacts of fewer cars on the road. So I have to believe that there's data that would back up a four-day work week, um, just continuing those benefits. And I think we just have to be open about what's what might a model like that look like. I don't think it's something like the entire workforce is on the same four days. But if we spread that out mm -hmm. and and we really think about what might be possible and the start from the advantages, I think there's really something there. And if we go back to what are we measuring? What really is the outcome? And um, what's the outcome that matters? I think you can apply that same kind of mindset to a four day work week. And if we think about what really matters is a healthy, productive workforce to accomplish organizational goals, I have to believe that we could get there through um, a modified work week. Yeah, it's just, I think it's such a fascinating time to be in your business because everything around you is changing. Yes. So, so we mentioned that part of the changing dynamic is employees have different demands. And I think we're seeing that across the board in industries. I want to say that I think it's most prevalent in the restaurant industry right now. I think that for the first two years after COVID, people were saying, oh my gosh, it's hard to get employees. Actually, pre-COVID, it was hard. Now, it's almost impossible to get 
those really important foundational back of house employer employees. Um, my in my scope of work, working as a restaurant specialist, and my collaboration with Chef Zoom, where I just talk to to restaurant people all day long. I think they have to change. Something has to change. The model has to change because employees want something different. I think that's exactly right, and I, I agree. I think in hospitality as a whole and um, retail, um, staffing is is just an absolute fundamental um, challenge right now. And a colleague of mine was just telling me about um, just the need to increase minimum wages um, in hospitality to a level that's just completely unsustainable. Yes. And, you know, I th- what that makes me think about is just the the idea that we're commoditizing our labor and we we can't do that, right? Because it, it creates an unsustainable model for Hawaii as a whole. Um we're a small community, right? And and so when we start doing that in one sector, it impacts the other the labor force in the other sectors as well. So, um it, I, the optimistic piece of me again um, would like us to take a look at if it's not pay, if it's not salary, what else might it be? What are some of the other levers um, that that can improve, right, that we do have control over? Whether that's the strategic use of benefits, whether that's improving the employee experience, whether that's creating safe and healthy workplaces, I think all of those levers are in our control and we can do, th- do something around that. And as long as wages are fair and um, competitive, then I think those other la- levers um, are are a more sustainable strategic way for us to address the labor shortage. You know, I feel that there's so many different aspects at work right now mm-hmm. in forcing the, the labor force to change, right? Enforcing the, the way that we look at work to change and, you know, the way we look at our homes to change. That it's really, it's almost a very exciting time because throughout history, anytime there's been a big shift in something, you know, it's always good. I mean, that's how we move forward, right? We don't want to stay the same way. And in in talking about how we have to not commoditize employees, which I think is just a critical point, you can't just keep in- increasing wages. It, it, it's not going to work, especially not in the restaurant industry. I'm wondering if we have to invent new models that, for example, in the restaurant industry, you know, as the cost of food is rising, perhaps people have to look at how they they work with their employees in different ways. I mean, if you're in an industry food-based, maybe food is part of what you get as your, you know, instead of increased wages, you have access to more affordable food because your employer can buy more affordable food. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, is, are they the kind of things that you have to think about? Like as you look at, you know, because it's not just wages that are going up. Right. The cost of everything is going up. The wages can't keep up right That's now right. with inflation. Yeah, I love that idea, actually, that creative thinking about what else might it be that um, creates the overall value proposition for that employee. And I think that's what we need to be thinking about. There's no doubt salary and and wages play a piece of that, and we know it's a significant piece. And there are other pieces of that value proposition, right? Whether that's the ability to grow and develop, whether that's the ability to have access to resources, and in this case, maybe it's um, food that you wouldn't normally have access to. Um, so it's thinking about that overall value proposition for an employee. And I think, you know, if, if, if we as employers can be thinking about carving out each of our own individual spaces and being brave and bold in that, then we will attract the talent for whom that proposition makes sense. 
Um, and I think that helps us um, address the labor shortage. I, I really do. Um, I also think that, you know, managers play, a, a, again, I, I was talking about, let's not put more on our managers, but here I go. Managers play a key role in this. We know the Gallup research tells us all the time that um, the role of the direct supervisor in an employee's experience at work is critical. And so if we can really empower managers to be mentors, to be people growers, um, to be supportive um, part of, of an employee's experience and equip them well to be able to do that job, that, that is, that's the key, I think, to retaining the, the staff that we have. So while we re- acknowledge that there's challenges in finding folks, it makes it even more important that we keep the folks that we have and we do that by building really great managers. What what is your your primary role at HEC? Do employers look to you for for advice across the board? Do they come to you with certain issues and problems? How do you define really what you do, what your value is to the community? That is a great question, and that's evolving. That's part of Hawaii Employers Council's evolution. Um, we offer a variety of services, including labor relations, employee, excuse me, um, labor relations. Um, HR consulting services, surveys and comps. So we provide the data to help businesses make decisions. And it really, it's it's the whole gamut. We have 800 members. They cross every sector, every size. Our larger members tend to use our comp and data services. Our smaller members tend to use our hotline. Um, so it, it really is a variety of the solutions that are needed for employers to be able to run healthy, effective workplaces. And for for a small business, for someone who's listening, who's running a small business and having all those challenges, yeah. um, what are the benefits to them for for joining your organization? And how do they join? How do they become a part of HEC? Sure, I think that the benefit of membership is access to those services. You know, a lot of a lot of our members are small organizations that didn't get into business to do HR, right? right. The, the plumbing organization that that's just an amazing plumber <laughs> and right. wants to just go really do that work well. Um, and so membership allows them access to HR services and solutions that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and if you're interested in membership, you can go to our website, which is hecouncil.org, and you'll be able to connect with our membership development team and they can talk to you about uh, membership opportunities and the benefits of membership. You know, Sarah, there's a whole other level I I feel here that we haven't really got the time to address, but we should just mention that it's, a, a, again, a, a huge influence on what's happening in the workforce. And that is AI and how it's coming in and being used in across the board. I mean, we're seeing... Um, Again, I speak to the restaurant industry, but you know, there's automation everywhere now through just menus and scanning and all kinds of apps. Is that something that people are welcoming? Do Do you think that most employees employers are seeing the benefits of this, or is it still something that's a little bit you know people are a bit nervous of it because they think, oh, is it going to take my job away? Yeah, I. I'm pretty excited about it. I think there's still a lot of folks who are pretty convinced that robots are coming to take our jobs. <laughs> so, um, but I think in the HR world, and, and I should say, you know, one of the roles of Hawaii Employers Council is to support human resources departments. So for our small members, we can play that role. But for a lot of our members, we provide resources and support to human resources departments. And human resources departments are mired with administrative work. And so the opportunity in artificial intelligence and a tool like ChatGPT allows human resources professionals to um, to kind of ease some of that rote 
mundane work frees them up to create some of that content using artificial intelligence so they can then double down on the relationship building, the personalized human work that really only people can do. So I think that's how we want to be thinking about tools like um, chat GPT and artificial intelligence. How can it take the mundane so that we can leverage the human work? And by leveraging the human work, we may be able to draw back the employees that we really need to come back into the industry because what they're lacking is not, um, it's not really just more money. It's not really just, just, uh, doing mundane jobs is everyone wants to be wanted at work, right? Everyone wants to feel that they're going every day to somewhere that really means something. And I think only human interaction can give you that. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's the exciting opportunity is, is being able to figure out how tools like this can take away some of the work that, that prevents us from getting there, frees us up to do the work that makes an impact that helps all of us feel better about coming to work every day. I think your job is really exciting. I would just, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if you ever need volunteers to come and like be on the task force of interviewing employers oh, about great. what's next, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being with us today. Sarah Gay is the president and chief executive officer of the Hawaii Employers Council. Uh, she joined us today for our podcast. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Ultras. Do join us next time for more conversations about business in Hawaii. I'm Joe McGarry. We'll see you next time. <laughs>